God to God's people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage. You shall have no other gods but me. Amen. You shall not make for yourself any idol. Amen. You shall not invoke with malice the name of the Lord your God. Amen. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy.
So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. The word of the Lord. Neither is there a violation. 
For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may, may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the inheritance of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The word of the Lord. Spirit. 
Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So I returned last night from a very brief trip down to New Jersey for the funeral of a dear friend and mentor of mine. We will pray for him in the prayers of the people. Right Reverend G. P. Melick Belshaw. He was the ninth bishop of New Jersey, and he was a bishop for 20 years in New Jersey. And before that, he served as the rector of a large parish in Rumson, New Jersey. So, as you can imagine, his funeral was filled with many people whose lives he had touched through baptism and confirmation and weddings and ordinations. Um, he was a, a, a beloved man, a well-respected leader in the faith. And he was my friend. And at the funeral, the, the homilist did a brilliant job of not celebrating Melek as a bishop, but celebrating Melek as a companion, an earthly companion, with us on our faith journeys. Just a person, just like the rest of us. So today in our scripture, John gives us another companion in our journey, just a person, Nicodemus. We're told he's a well-known, well-respected man of the Jewish faith. He comes to Jesus in the night because he's curious. He's heard things about the miracles Jesus has done. And as a prominent person in a complicated context, doesn't feel free to confront Jesus in the daylight, so he comes to him under cover of darkness. If you read my reflection this week, I tried to lay out a little bit of what John does in his gospel. John very clearly sets up a binary of darkness and light. 
He wants to make sure that there's a contrast and a clear division, a really strong metaphor about dark and light. For John, those who live in the darkness are the people who are not yet enlightened. John proclaims that Jesus is the light of the world from before time, and those who are saved see the light and live in this light. Now, as you can imagine, because of this theme of light and dark in John's writing, many interpreters over the centuries have denigrated Nicodemus for coming to Jesus in the dark. They suggest that he is afraid, not faithful, not enlightened, an example of those who do not see the light of Jesus as the Savior of the world. And given the context in which the Gospel writer of John was writing, and the conflict that was going on then between Jews and Christians, at the time he was writing, he probably intended that interpretation. But if we believe that Scripture is a living word, I want to suggest that we entertain Nicodemus with a more sympathetic ear. Because for many of us, for many of us, we may be a lot like Nicodemus. Perhaps we are really curious about Jesus. But the world in which we live, our families, our culture, perhaps even in our church, make us feel uncomfortable confronting Jesus in the daylight, as it were. We may put on a confident face all day long and then weep as we pray to Jesus in the dark about the truth of our lives, our fears, our sorrows. We say our prayers in the dark, wondering about whether anyone is listening, whether God is real. We may lie awake at night wondering about God, wondering about Jesus, asking, what does it mean that he went to the cross for us? What does that mean? Darkness is safe. We can pray our prayers, express our doubts, plead our deepest longings, to the one who knows us. So I think that Nicodemus is actually very brave. He doesn't just toss the turn, he gets up and goes to Jesus. He wants to find out about the miracles Jesus is doing, see for himself who Jesus is, ask questions, have a conversation. In their encounter, Jesus challenges Nicodemus. And Nicodemus does not drop everything and follow Jesus like the disciples we've been hearing about over the last few weeks. In some ways, I think Nicodemus is more like some of us. Like many of us, he is well-educated, diligent in his faith tradition, established in his career. He has a family and responsibilities. He does not have an instantaneous conversion experience, but he does listen to the tug on his heart to get up out of bed, put on his shoes, throw on his cloak, tread quietly out the door, down the street, to knock on the house where Jesus is staying. He's curious. The Spirit has moved him. He has heard things. His faith is a living thing in his life. And he wants to know more. In his conversation,
conversation with Jesus, we see him struggle with his practical, logical assumptions. The same ones we have, right? How can someone be born again? How would we enter our mother's womb a second time? It makes no practical sense. He doesn't understand Jesus' metaphorical language, the image of being born anew, not from our mother's body again, but born in a new way, by the Spirit, born anew from above. Transformation of our reality from the human condition to the new reality of God's kingdom. It's hard for me to criticize Nicodemus for not understanding this, because it's hard for me to understand it. Jesus, as John portrays him, is completely other. For John, God is incarnate, and his vision and his words, his very being, are of God. No wonder Nicodemus doesn't get it. No wonder we have a hard time getting it. One of the great things about our tradition is that we are people who ask questions. We're confident in our faith and in the gospel stories and in our prayers and in our worship. We're confident that it's okay for any one of us to have questions, doubts, and fears. And it's okay because we trust that the Lord God, who we worship, can handle our questions. And in the story of Nicodemus, we see that portrayed. He has questions, he gets answers from Jesus, but we're not told in the story whether he understands or not. By the end of the passage, Nicodemus has left the scene. I imagine him going home, crawling into bed, his wife saying, where have you been? I want to see Jesus. And I have a lot to think about, a lot to pray about. He's like us, a faithful person with questions. John tells us that Jesus says God sent his son to redeem the world so that those who believe would not perish but have everlasting life. Those are some things to ponder and pray about. No sin in wondering, in questioning, in saying, how can this be? For what we see in the world around us and in these companions that we have who walk with us, that there are many ways to come to faith, to be faithful. Some people are struck by lightning. Remember Paul on the road to Damascus? Some of us need the safety of a dark night to bear our souls to God and ask, where are you? Who are you? What does it mean to follow you? Some of us find and nourish our faith through study. Loving God with our minds. Others need more time alone in silent prayer, being still. And others strengthen faith in community and conversation and in service to others. The truth is, most of us need a combination of all these things. Worship, study, prayer, and service. 
And each week we're given food. We're given food for that journey. Bread and wine. Christ's body and blood given for us. Food for our journeys. My favorite part of the story of Nicodemus isn't in today's passage. Nicodemus actually appears at the end of John's Gospel. He appears again. And where is he? He's at the foot of the cross. He comes bearing perfume and burial spices as Jesus' body is taken down from the cross. So Nicodemus got to the cross in his own way, in his own time. This season of Lent is our walk to the cross. May we each make our way there in darkness and in light, trusting that the road is wide, that the journey is personal, and that Jesus invites us, encourages us, challenges us, and loves us as we are along the way. May your Lent be a holy journey of question and prayer, worship and service. And may we be guided in our darkness by the true light. Amen. Together, let us affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God of God, light from light, true God of true God, begotten not made. Of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism
come for your free tea drink from the cup, um, but no tea tainting. Um, you'll see everybody up here washing their hands with cold Purell. We're doing our very best to doing our very best to uh, keep the germs to a minimum. I won't be greeting you at the back as always, uh, but I won't be shaking hands. So we will just uh, we will greet one another with big smiles, the more conversation. Um, if you have any questions about any of this, please contact me directly. Um, we're monitoring, and the staff is monitoring the situation pretty carefully. And I uh, received some guidance from our diocese. Um, I still get information from some of the other dioceses I've participated in, as well as other churches and friends who sent me things. So I'm happy to report that we're kind of having a middle of the road response. Um, there are people who are taking much more extreme measures, and there are people who haven't. Uh, made statements or done much yet. So I'd like to be right in the middle. And again, you guys are responsible for your own health, and so do what feels um, it's, it's up to you to decide about um, how you want to participate here. The good news is, because of a little doctrine, the doctrine of concomitance, you can look it up, um, Jesus is fully present, and the grace of the Eucharist is fully present in the bread only. So if you choose to receive the bread only, you're getting all the Jesus. <laughs> One other request that worked really well at 8 o'clock is when you come up to receive, open your hand as wide as you can open it, and that allows me to put the bread into your palm without actually touching your hand. Because if I'm touching your hand, and then the next person's hand, and the next person's hand, and the next person's hand, we sort of lost the point of all of this. So please open your hand as wide as you can, and I will drop the bread in. All right. If you're visiting with us, we're especially glad you're here, Trinity folks. Please give a warm smile to those seated around you, uh, so that folks feel welcome, whether they do or not. And as we always say, and we remember each week with great thanksgiving, at this table, God's table, there are no outcasts, no strangers, and no unwanted guests. All are welcome to come and feast at the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. So please do come and be fed. Let us walk in love as Christ loves us and gives himself as an offering and sacrifice to God.
It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who was tempted in every way as we are, yet did not sin. By his grace we are able to triumph over every evil and to live no longer for ourselves alone, but for him who died for us and rose again. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim glory in your name.
Now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. In the name of God and this congregation, I send you forth carrying these holy gifts that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. Through you are many one body, with us we all share one bread, one cup. Bow down before the Lord. Grant, Almighty God, that your people may recognize their weakness put their whole trust in your strength, so that we may rejoice forever in the protection of your loving providence, through Christ our Lord. 